They say the delivery of instruction, suggesting a simple construction twixt student and teacher, but we social creatures know learning's a complex production. I'm Heidi Marks Morris, and I started teaching high school in 1995. Despite nominal retirement in 2015, I've been in the classroom ever since. I'm writing a book about what I've learned in my career because I want to help others experience the connections and joy that I have found in successful teaching. It's called Teaching Matters, and you can sign up for news of it at my website, MarksTeachingMatters.com. Years ago, my colleagues and I banded together to protest our working conditions to the school board. Our specific complaint was class sizes. We were bursting at the seams at my school and class sizes had soared over 40 even in core classes. I had over 200 students a day at that point that I was expected to teach. And the reality was both exhausting and baffling. How was I supposed to effectively instruct so many human beings? I specifically remember one Spanish class where I had five students with no assigned seat. So our method for dealing with that was those five students would perch on the back counter of my room until the bell rang to start class. Any empty seat when the bell rang was theirs for the taking. They could pounce upon an empty seat and claim it for the duration of the class period. I have never had an issue with tardies in my class. And that particular class, I had zero issues with tardies. Kids knew that if they didn't get to class on time, they would literally not have a seat. But of course, tardiness was not my paramount concern. Teaching these students Spanish was. And trying to teach a class of 40 Spanish students is exhausting. How can I get around to listen to each partner practice the Spanish construction of the day? How can I give every student feedback in the course of a period? How can I grade the massive pile of tests that they generate? And that problem was far worse in English classes. My English students, of course, were literate in English. They could write far more than Spanish one students could. Assigning one essay meant assigning to myself hours of homework, even if I graded something like 10 essays per hour, which is a pretty good clip. And we teachers were all facing this crisis. So our solution was to present our plight to the school board, to plead with them to do something about this impossible circumstance. I remember trying to quantify for people unfamiliar with a classroom what exactly the realities were of trying to teach that many students. I did the math about minutes per essay and numbers of essay and number of minutes per hour, but that still didn't capture the reality. So I boiled it down to this simple fact, and I began my presentation by telling my audience, education 
must have three components, a student, a teacher, and contact between them. And you are asking us to eliminate contact and still be able to deliver an education. It's impossible. I thought it was a pretty coherent and compelling argument. Nothing happened immediately, but over the years, class sizes dwindled. And this year, as we're teaching in distance learning, most of my classes are smaller than 20 students, which sounds like a pretty phenomenal number in comparison with 40 plus. And yet, we are completely failing in this model. We had a meeting this past week. Several volunteers on the staff, staff members, convened to discuss what can we do about the huge numbers of students who are failing classes. Hundreds of students who have never failed a high school class are failing multiple classes and not barely failing with say a 62%, there are droves of students with single digit percentages seven weeks into the nine week grading period. We are very concerned. If this is unprecedented in our experience and we are exploring what more can we do to help them. One of my colleagues sagely suggested that before we go about solving the problem, we should identify clearly what the problem is that we're trying to solve. We talked. We talked about student apathy. We talked about cynicism. We talked about poor Wi-Fi connections. We talked about students lacking the motivation to get out of bed in the morning. We talked about the lack of participation in class discussions. And finally, I said, it seems to me that the problem is teaching and learning is a social endeavor. And we're trying to carry it forward minus all socializing aspects. It's doomed to failure. And we all pretty much agreed on that. But as I reflected on that conversation later that day, I realized that my presentation to the school board about exactly the opposite crisis decades ago, too many students in a class, was exactly the crux of what we're facing now. We're trying to deliver instruction instead of teach. We're ignoring that third component of contact between the teacher and the student. And amazingly, students do not succeed in that model. Now, I am very willing to confess there are some students who thrive, but the vast majority, I'm talking more than 80% of students, do not thrive with distance learning. And the reason is pretty simple. There's no people involved. I had a particular student show up to my Spanish class this week after she had been absent for, I think, since Christmas break and several times before then. And I had a conversation with her after school. She came to a 
Google Meets office hours meeting, and I asked her, what's up? Why are you uh, absent so often? And she was very straightforward with me. I just can't get out of bed. It's so easy not to turn on the computer. I don't get up. I don't put my makeup on. Then I don't want to turn my camera on. Then I don't want to go to class. I've never failed a class before. And now I'm failing all of them. And there's only like two weeks left. So really, what's the point? Oh, how I wanted to give her a hug and some reassurance that there was nothing wrong with her and her reaction to her situation. Most of her peers are in the same boat. Asking students to undertake education as a solitary enterprise under their own motivation and with their own environment to work with is not going to be successful. We need classrooms with students in them, students who interact with their teachers. And this was my huge breakthrough. They need to interact with each other. The dynamic of student to student interaction. One student who's willing to stick his or her neck out and take a risk, ask a question, make a funny comment, propose an activity, express excitement, and other students react to that and build on it. And that is where class chemistry comes from. That is where the energy and the joy of learning comes from. I learned early on in my teaching journey that I as a teacher am one person in my classroom. I am a significant person. My mood will color the rest of the class, but I am not the only person. And for a class to be fun and engaging and effective, the students have to make those individual choices to engage and put in effort and take risks and embrace the opportunity to learn. Without that dynamic interaction among students and between student and teacher, education cannot happen effectively. And that is what we are seeing in stark reality with the data that's being produced by number of students failing their online classes. We must accept the truth that people matter to each other in the journey of education. And trying to supplant them with technology is not a feasible or successful thing. In conclusion, we live on a planet with billions of other humans. And everything we learn, we learn with, we learn from, and we learn because of some of those other humans. We will spend our lives interacting with them in a variety of ways. Our education should prepare us for those interactions in meaningful and enjoyable ways.